Why is it so important for nurses to have a solid grasp of the legal aspects of protecting their license? Well, let's talk all about making sure your nursing license remains clean and unencumbered by legal issues right here on episode 237 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I am so grateful you're here. I always am grateful and always will be, whether it's your first time hanging out with me here or you've been listening for months or years. Thanks for being part of my growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is always about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, ideas, inspiration, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, medicine, medicine, and beyond. This episode of The Nurse Keith Show is sponsored by Trusted Health, who replaced the traditional job search and staffing approach with an intelligent matching platform that empowers nurses to discover opportunities that fit their unique experiences and goals. Instead of a commissions-based recruiter, Trusted Health uses nurse advocates who work commission-free. Thus, their goal is to connect each nurse to the travel assignments they want and supporting them every step of the way. Check them out at trustedhealth.com forward slash Nurse Keith, and I thank Trusted Health for their very generous support. And did you know you can leave a rating and review for The Nurse Keith Show? That's right. Head over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts, pretty please, and leave a rating, one to five stars, and a review. And if you email me and let me know you did so, I will read your review and thank you personally on air. And I cannot thank you enough for considering doing so. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, hop on over to nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 237. Anyhow, we are welcoming friend of the pod, John Musacchio, an attorney with specialization in helping nurses protect and defend their licenses. And John, I want to jump right in and ask you, what's so important about understanding how to keep one's nursing license clean as a whistle and protected from unnecessary legal ramifications? Hi, Keith. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and that's a great question. Yeah. Um, I think that it's extremely important for for nurses to understand the legal ramifications and the ethical issues that can cost them their licenses. Really, the ultimate answer to your question is that a nurse can lose his or her license if if they are not following the laws and the regulations that govern nurses in the state in which they practice. Right. And we know that the Nurse Practice Act is different in various states, of course. It's not a federal Nurse Practice Act. And I know you're admitted to practice in New York, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Connecticut in the federal courts, correct? Yes. Yes. Right. New York, Vermont, and Massachusetts in state court and federal court, and then in federal court in Connecticut as well. Oh, just federal court in Connecticut. I see. Okay. Thanks for that clarification. So, when you represent a nurse, there must be lots of different issues that come up. And what are some of the common ones that nurses come to you with and say, oh, my God, I need your help? Sure. There is a wide variety of, of different types of, of issues that I see among nurses. One of the biggest ones right now, uh, unfortunately, is drug diversion and substance abuse issues among nurses. And that's something that I have been seeing more and more in the last few years, but but also things such as 
forgetting to plug in a call bell after a patient is transferred. That is technically an improper clinical action, which can result in the nurse being reported to the the state board, and then there can be disciplinary action taken. It's not always the same type of dis- disciplinary action. It can be progressive, but all those different types of things. So, so everything from the smallest thing, like just a, an honest mistake, to actually diverting medications from patients, which obviously could and probably does lead in most cases to patient harm. Absolutely right. And of course, like doctors and other healthcare providers, we are sworn to do no harm, right? That's sort of like the basis. We don't want to kill anyone or hurt anyone. And we know sometimes things happen that we're not responsible for per se, but it still happens on our watch. And if it happens on our watch, we can be named in a lawsuit. We could even just have been in the vicinity and maybe get named in a lawsuit. So there's this notion of practicing defensively and documenting defensively. Now, we don't want to think about defending ourselves against legal action at every single moment, because then we'll be so paranoid, we'll be, we'll be paralyzed, and we won't be able to do anything or feel so fearful. So how, in your estimation, as an attorney who represents nurses in these sorts of cases, how does one practice defensively while still maintaining that, that identity as a nurse and that desire to help without feeling afraid every time you provide patient care. And this is especially true, I think, it's a true fear for new nurses who are just entering the fray and they're just scared out of their wits because they worked so hard and spent so much money to get their license. Absolutely. That's that's an excellent point. Um, it, it is tough to get through nursing school. I have several uh, friends and family members who are nurses myself, and that's kind of how I got into this years ago <laughs> and uh, representing nurses myself. Mm. But and, and so I, I know it can be very hard. I know it can be very daunting to think about legal consequences to making making an honest mistake. But but certainly I think the first thing that nurses should do is to just always remember those rules and those ethical rules in your state. In just about every state, if not every single state now, um, they should be posted on the state licensing board's um, website. So they should be easy to access. There there are different organizations such as the American Nurses Association, uh, which has uh, chapters in, in most, if not all states across the country, and, and also different state nursing associations, which put out publications from time to time which explain those those rules and those pieces of guidance so that it can help nurses to understand you know just what what those parameters are and really it shouldn't come as a surprise i mean ultimately the goal is to provide the best patient care possible mm-hmm. and certainly people get busy you know everybody has busy schedules i, I know that staffing and patient to staff ratios um, are a big topic right now in many many states and a lot of nurses you know, cannot spend quite as much time doing doing everything that they would like to do for every single patient during a shift. But and as long as you're you're working hard and and focusing on the patient as much as possible, that that ultimately is the best first step to 
to protecting your nursing license and protecting yourself from a lawsuit. Absolutely. Now, I'm on the board of directors of the New Mexico Nurses Association, so people do come to us with questions. And we interface a lot with the Board of Nursing here because oftentimes there are changes happening to the Nurse Practice Act that are going to directly impact our practice and the way we do our jobs. And sometimes there are admittedly, physician groups and other groups, especially hospital associations and hospitals' health systems themselves, who are actively trying to change the Nurse Practice Act to weaken it or dilute it. And we have a very strong one here. We also have a strong practice or depth and breadth of practice and authority for nurse practitioners, one of the most progressive in the country here in New Mexico, for nurse practitioners to practice without physician oversight, which I think is a very important thing for many reasons that we don't necessarily have to get into here. But it's hard to keep track of the Nurse Practice Act because it's always changing, right? There's always little additions and addendums going, but there are basic things we understand that you've already mentioned, doing no harm, following the rules. And then you also have to follow the rules within your particular facility where you work or agency you work for. So have you ever seen that the ways in which a nurse is asked to practice in a clinical setting goes against or maybe calls into question their ability to adhere to the Nurse Practice Act? Are they being asked to do what they really shouldn't be doing, basically? That is an excellent, excellent point. And that does sometimes become an issue, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I, I have seen that happen before. And uh, I've, I've seen it both in my own practice and, and also uh, – from some colleagues of mine who, who also do this type of work across the country. And what we have found is that, you know, generally, if an organization has rules in place or, or in other ways instructs or forces a nurse as an employee to, to uh, do something that is contrary to the Nurse Practice Act or, mm-hmm. or that state's rules, then in defending that nurse's license, once it gets to that stage, we would then bring into evidence all of those those policies and procedures and instructions by the facility. And, and oftentimes, if not usually, the nurse will typically have a much less severe result if any negative consequences come out of it. Obviously, if there is patient harm that results, that obviously, you know, across the board would lead to more severe and strict penalties being imposed typically but but if there was was a technical violation that that a nurse was was doing really just because of the fact that their employer is telling them to do it that way that is something that is highly defensible and also maybe now is a good time to make the point Keith that pretty much anything is defensible no matter what happens nurses are entitled to a defense mm-hmm. and and there are lawyers across the country who do this type of work to help nurses even if there is some sort of an intentional act su- such as diverting drugs or something along those lines a nurse is still entitled to representation and that's something that a lot of nurses don't know and so I always like to get the word out on that as much as I can Exactly. Right. And so many people come to me, well, not so many, but a a fair number of nurses come to me saying, I signed an agreement with the 
board of nursing or whatever, and I didn't use an attorney. And now I'm regretting signing it because I didn't fully understand what I was signing. And that's always a, a sad statement to me because I think, oh my God, we could have really helped you here if you had reached out to an attorney first. So for someone who's in a sticky situation and they feel like things are really going south and they're, an agreement is put on the desk in front of them and the hospital or whoever is saying, sign this, what does that nurse do and what does she or he have a right to do if they're saying, hey, sign on the dotted line right now? What can they say? That's a great question, too. Mm -hmm. um, a, a nurse can always have an attorney represent them, either either just in the shadows or behind the scenes or right at the forefront. Okay. It's up to the nurse. If someone tells you that that you are not entitled to an attorney, they are incorrect, at, at least in all the states in which I practice. Okay. And and I, I would presume that that would apply across the board in, in any state, since it's a, it's a constitutional right to be able to defend yourself and to have, have, have a certain level of representation available to you. So, so the first step, really, in trying to um, defend yourself, I think, should always be to contact someone who is knowledgeable about this. And, and typically, an attorney who practices in this area with experience in this area, and defending nurses specifically, is an excellent place to start. As I said, there are nurses all across the country. I'm sorry, there are lawyers all across mm -hmm. the country who do represent nurses. And there, there is a network of us, so to speak. And you can also call your local or state bar association to try to get in touch with those lawyers as well. Oh, very good point. I would never have thought of that. Call the bar association in your state. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Bar associations across the country tend to have lists of attorneys who who they can refer people to based upon the practice area that that the client or potential client is calling about brilliant okay very good to know oh my gosh now now i that gives me another little piece of advice to give people so uh, great i wanted to bring up one situation that we have here in new mexico so we've been working really hard. I haven't been directly involved, but tangentially involved in passing a law through the state legislature in New Mexico called Safe Harbor. That's the, the short name of the bill. So what it means is that if a nurse is working in any milieu whatsoever, outside the hospital, in the hospital, doesn't matter. If he or she is given an assignment that they think is unsafe and either puts the nurse in a position where they're they're at risk, they're putting their license at risk, or even most importantly, putting a patient at risk, they can invoke safe harbor and then they cannot be fired or disciplined for patient abandonment or going against what they've been told to do. So we're going to be watching really closely these next few years because each hospital and hospital system and healthcare facility or entity needs to figure out how they are going to honor safe harbor. They each have to come up with a policy or procedure, how they're going to do that. And I believe we're the first state to have a full safe harbor law passed through the legislature. And it took us three or four years to do that. Have you heard anything about issues around safe harbor? Has that been on your radar at all? 
It certainly is on my radar, Keith. Okay. Yes. Um, it's something that I, I have not experienced directly in my practice yet, mm-hmm. but but I, I have seen many articles on it. And in, in fact, in my Facebook group, I, I run a Facebook group for, for nurses also. Oh. And, and that's something that, that a, um, a nurse member of the group actually just, um, just brought up within the last few days, as a matter of fact, and asking questions about the, the application of safe harbor provisions um, to a situation that that, that that nurse is facing in, in which uh, she felt that she was being put into an unsafe situation oh. and, all, and, and also likewise putting her patients into an unsafe situation. Wow. Well, we're going to put that in the show notes for sure. We're going to make sure we have that Facebook group for people. Can anyone join it from any state? Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Yes. Anyone that's a nurse. Uh, I, I don't know why a nurse, or, or I'm sorry, why someone who's not a nurse would want to join it, but certainly they're <laughs> welcome to. I don't exclude people. So. Sure. But they can be a nurse in any state in the United States and join. Yes. Great. Yes, We're going to make sure that's in the show notes. Uh, and that'll be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 237. So John, we're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your practice and your history and about town law. And I also want to talk a little bit more about drug diversion, substance abuse, what to do when you get a DWI or another criminal charge that's on your license or you're in your history, and how to choose the right attorney and maybe a couple case studies that you might have on your desk. So we'll be right back with the second half of episode 237. This episode of The Nurse Keith Show is sponsored by Trusted Health, a company built by nurses for nurses to understand what opportunities exist and connect to them in the most efficient and transparent way possible. They've replaced the traditional job search and staffing approach with an intelligent matching platform, empowering nurses to discover opportunities that fit their unique experiences, preferences, and goals. Instead of a commissions-based recruiter, Trusted Health uses nurse advocates, nurses just like you, some of whom have even traveled, who were commission-free. Because they're all commission-free, their goal isn't to get nurses into any open jobs. Instead, they focus on connecting each of their nurses to the travel assignments they want and supporting them every step of the way, before, during, and after their assignment. And just in case you're wondering, they'll come right out and say it too. No, they don't hound you with phone calls and emails about jobs that you're not interested in, just the information you want when you want it. If you're interested, check out www.trustedhealth.com forward slash nurse Keith. That's trustedhealth.com forward slash nurse Keith. Fill out some basic information about your preferences and qualifications, and you can get started viewing job matches personalized for you in minutes. Join Trusted. They're not just an agency. They're a movement. And I thank Trusted Health for their generous support. Now, let's get back to the second half of this episode of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for hanging out here on The Nurse Keith Show on episode 237. We're with John Musacchio, a attorney who very frequently represents nurses in all sorts of issues related to their licensure. And John, before the break, we were talking about the Facebook group you have for nurses. We were talking about how to protect your nursing license. We also mentioned Safe Harbor. And I just want to say that you work for Town Ryan and Partners PC. And again, they're in New York State, Vermont, and what other states? 
Yes, and uh, I, I myself am admitted to practice also in Massachusetts and in the, the federal court in, in Connecticut. There are other attorneys here who are admitted to practice in state court in Connecticut and also in Washington, D.C. Okay, and there are lots of nurses in those states. I mean, Massachusetts, New York, those are huge states in terms of the medical infrastructure. And I know that you sometimes write articles for the American Nurses Association, New York Nurse Newsletter and other publications. You've served on the Committee on Character and Fitness for the State of New York Supreme Court Appellate Division. So you've done all sorts of things. And you're even the secretary of the Capital Region Italian American Bar Association. So you're (laughs) you're involved in all sorts of things. And town law is at T-O-W-N-E law.com, townlaw.com. So you've done this for a long time. You said you have family members and friends who are nurses. So really difficult situations come up. Here's one. A client of mine or potential client of mine recently reached out to me and she's in her mid-20s practices here in the United States. And she got a few DWIs when she was about 19 and she's now about 24. Five. So she got through nursing school, was I think like a 4.0 GPA or whatever, passed the NCLEX on the first try, has amazing background in history. But when she went to get her license after passing the NCLEX, the DWIs raised their ugly head. And mm-hmm. now she's in a situation where her license is at risk even when she first got it. So how do these old criminal charges that might be five, 10 years old, how do they come back to bite us in the uh, metaphorical derriere? (laughs) (laughs) I I was interested in seeing exactly where you were going to go with that. But but that's a great question, Keith. Um, It's a very, very sad and unfortunate situation. Yes. Um, And I see this quite a bit myself, too, as a matter of fact, DWIs in particular. People don't realize that past criminal charges, past DWIs, or even current DWIs and current criminal charges can have a major impact on your nursing license and, in, in mm-hmm. fact, can, can even get your nursing license suspended yes. or even revoked under different circumstances. Right. Um, and, and that's when it has nothing, nothing to do with patient care. If, if it's your night off and you're, you're pulled over at a checkpoint or otherwise, and if you get a drinking and driving offense then eventually that is probably going to be reported to the state licensing board and they are most likely going to take some sort of action against you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Um, as far as the past convictions, past criminal issues, a, a lot of it has to do with proximity in time. So so if it's five years, it may be more t- taken more seriously than something that happened 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, for instance. Mm-hmm. But But a lot of People, I mean, you know, especially newer nurses. Uh, many newer nurses are are in their early twenties when they're they're uh, graduating from nursing school or mid twenties. Mm-hmm. And certainly, a drinking and driving offense would not be that far off. Maybe it's six months. Maybe it's a few years back. But that is something that you know there is no perfect answer for that. Unfortunately, it, I, I've I've seen it where the the state board does not put up much of a fight on it and and it's it's not that much of an issue okay i've also seen other situations where where it can become a major issue and it all has to do with the nurse's fitness to practice and and the nurse's responsibility to 
him or herself and the community at large. And all, all of those tenets that nurses are taught in nursing school and that that are part of the um, nursing practice rules and regulations. So I, unfortunately, I don't think that there there's a perfect answer for this, Keith. But but it is certainly something that that I I think is worth is worth pursuing. It is worth fighting. Right. And certainly, an an experienced attorney who's who's admitted to practice in your state um, should be able to to help you make an application and and present to the nursing board uh-huh. that that you you are fit sometimes it can include having having positive recommendations from a colleague or a supervisor especially a supervisor someone who who you you've worked for for a little while even if it was a nursing school okay. in, in your uh, clinical studies in nursing school also something that can be very helpful is if you you go to a counselor or a psychologist of of some sort and have that person do an, an evaluation. Normally, it's a half an hour or an hour or something like that. And and then that person can write a report to the state board stating that that in his or her professional opinion, the nurse is fit to practice as a nurse. That's a great and, idea. Thank you for that. Absolutely. And that is something that, that, that I do fairly frequently for my clients is, is to, um, help coordinate with my client and a, a therapist or, or a, you know, someone licensed. It can be a social worker. It all depends on, on what the state is going to require in that particular yeah. circumstance. And so, so I, I kind of act in that sense as a liaison between the client and the state board and and then also at the same time with the the uh, the licensed professional who mm-hmm. is who is certifying right. my client's fitness to practice yeah and what i'm gleaning from all of this from you <laughs> and that i've already known but i want people like any nurse out there if there's a nurse listening who's in a sticky situation like this one of the hard and fast rules i think i'm getting is that don't sign anything unless you have an attorney representing you and protecting you and making sure you get the best possible outcome. Is that, would you say that's true? That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because absolutely. nurses, most of us don't understand legalese. And if we sign something in legalese, we're going to sign something we don't fully understand. And I know we're all used to like clicking on the terms and conditions on a website or app so that we can use it and we never read them, right? I mean, you might read them, but <laughs> most of us don't read them. But when you're signing something like this, where you're potentially signing your life or license away, or your right to be the professional that you're trained to be, then you're really taking a big risk not having attorney involved. It, it sounds like no matter how much it's gonna cost, how much money did you spend on your license? How much blood, sweat, and tears did you, did you shed to get that license? So it's worth what you're gonna pay an attorney to make sure you can have your livelihood for the next however many years, right? Well, and my goal is always to do whatever I possibly can do and and do whatever I can possibly work out with the state mm-hmm. to to keep a nurse employed. So often, for instance, if a nurse gets a DWI or or some other some other sort of criminal charge, for instance, that has nothing to do with the practice, sometimes they will get a letter from the state board that says that, that you know within so many Oftentimes it's 30 days. You have to appear and and fight the 
penalties that are going to be imposed upon you or else we will impose these penalties. And oftentimes those penalties include a suspension of your license. Mm. So so when a nurse comes to me and is in that situation, and and I'm sure many other attorneys who who help nurses also do this, but I, I always get right on the phone and and I call the investigator or I call the prosecutor at the state office and and I try to say, okay, what can we do to extend this date out? Usually they'll they'll extend it out for at least some period of time. It it's different in different states, so mm-hmm. that may not be true in every single state. But but oftentimes they'll, they'll they'll give at least a little bit of an extension so that we can get all of our ducks in a row. And then my goal is always to to help the nurse keep his or her license with with no actual timeout. Even if a nurse ends up ultimately agreeing to a stayed suspension, so it shows a suspension on his or her license on, on their record mm-hmm. in the future. I always try my best to work it out so that so that there is no timeout. I see. Of work. That's great. That's great. So, okay. So as we wind down, I want to make sure I get in some particular questions. So sure. what are the steps to take if you're reported to the licensing board, like you get that letter in the mail, that dreaded letter and says you've been named in blank, 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 or something's happening. So what's the very first step to take when you get that letter? Sure. Um, Well, there are three different uh, types of situations a nurse can find him or herself in. It can be that that letter from the state licensing board, Mm -hmm. or it can be be uh, getting served with a summons and complaint uh, in a civil lawsuit for some sort of malpractice or negligence. Right. Or third, or third, it could even be criminal charges being brought. Nurses can actually have criminal charges brought against them mm-hmm. for for certain clinical actions or improper clinical actions, even. Exactly. Um, which which also I think a lot of nurses don't understand. And and so in any of those situations, I I think. We've already touched on this, and it shouldn't be a surprise to you, Keith, but but my first advice is call an attorney, an experienced attorney. Okay. Find yeah. an experienced attorney. Okay. So stop right there. How do yes. you find the right experienced attorney? Where do you turn? Who do you ask? And how do you know it's the right person or the right sure. firm, for instance? Sure. It, it can be hard to to know who to trust. What what I would like to offer to all of your listeners, Keith, is if someone finds him or herself in that situation, they can join my Facebook group, send me a message, and I will find them or or and at least steer them in the right direction of an experienced attorney in their state who who is licensed to practice in their state or their geographic region. Great. So that way they can um, hopefully feel confident that that, that individual, that lawyer is experienced. Uh, in these types of Thank matters. you. That's a very nice offer. So that's very kind. Okay. So Absolutely. find an attorney. This another step I believe we've already touched on is don't sign anything, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, <laughs> okay. Even even on some of the state's websites, uh, <laughs> they they give instructions. You know, <laughs> what hap- you know, what do I do if if I'm investigated, what do mm-hmm. I do if I have a drug issue? What do I do if this or that? And and importantly, you know, nurses with substance abuse issues, mm-hmm. um, and and who who are recognizing that and realizing that, you know, technically, on the one hand, and under one significant school of thought, could be required to self-report, mm-hmm. and and that's obviously something that that can have 
unfortunate legal consequences for them. Now, now many states have programs. New York has a wonderful, wonderful uh, substance abuse program, actually, which many of my clients use. And they do a tremendous job in, in helping nurses overcome substance abuse issues and get back to work. But if a nurse is not already going through that particular program, but realizes that he or she has an issue, um, or or if they do, you know, technically anything that, that would constitute or could constitute a violation mm-hmm. of one of, of the state's rules and regulations, many states, right on their website, the board says, call us, talk to us, and basically relinquish your license. I obviously don't recommend that in most cases because because if if you have someone who's experienced help you go through that process before you turn over the license, it's much easier, you know, across the board overall generally to keep your license than to try to get back. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, it's easier to go forward than backwards. So Exactly. So don't exactly. so find an attorney, message you on the Facebook group for advice if you need to know if that attorney is if you vetted that attorney correctly. Don't sign anything without an attorney's advice and don't relinquish your license without an attorney's advice. So basically, yes. have an attorney in your corner. I mean, that's really like the major step because representing ourselves is probably setting ourselves up for some problems. And I've seen those problems in people who call me in a panic. So I, I appreciate that. Sure. Another question, do nurses come back from these situations and are there any where people don't come back in terms of being able to practice the profession that they're trained to practice in? Sure. Um, many, I, I should say most, a tremendously overwhelming amount of nurses do come back from these issues, whether it's something small or something very significant, like, okay. like a very serious drug problem, for instance. Okay. Most do. The situations where I have seen nurses have significant trouble coming back from that situation, so to speak, or ob- obtaining their, their license or getting their license back are typically in situations where where that nurse has committed an intentional act which, whether intentionally or unintentionally, has led to patient harm right. or serious patient harm. Right. Uh, even if the nurse does not intend to harm the patient, which most nurses don't ever want to harm a patient. Mm-hmm. There have been a few in history who who have, unfortunately... Um, yeah, we've seen psychopathic you know, and sociopathic behavior in certain nurses who pop up in the news. That definitely happens. Right. Sure. It happens it's, in every industry. I mean, there's there's people doing doing nefarious things anywhere you look if you're really going to look for it. Exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's mostly what makes the news. It's that very small percentage of of nurses who 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 can unfortunately make all nurses look bad. It's it's the small percentage of lawyers in, in my profession mm-hmm. uh, who who get all the news and make most people in the public eye think that that we are all you know all snakes and sharks and, and it's not <laughs> whatever true. And bad people you know? i know and, i know that for a fact it is not true <laughs> i have an awesome attorney here who's helped me with a situation the last few years so i totally get that so would you mind sharing one case study um briefly that might illustrate a success that you've had with a nurse whose license was at risk and you were able to rescue them like the lawyer in shining armor and get them back <laughs> caring for patients and doing the work they love. Do you have one example for us? 
Sure, sure. I, okay. I like that shining armor part too. Yeah, <laughs> no charge. That's going to boost me for the whole rest of the day. All right. <laughs> but, awesome. But, but sure. Um, one of my uh, most heartfelt cases, which which really still, you know, it's still, you know, it sort of makes me, um, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to say, if it gives me goosebumps or, mm. or something like that. Yes. Um, I had a nurse who, uh, you know, a few years ago, who was an LPN, it is an LPN. Um, and she, she had gotten a DWI and it turned out that she also had, unfortunately, a problem with substance abuse, marijuana, mm-hmm. which, which at the time in New York was, was illegal across the board, okay. not even for medical use and all that. So she got pulled over and she blew over a 0.08 and she was, was, was criminally prosecuted. Mm-hmm. She she essentially pled guilty to it, paid her fine, and then a little bit over a year later, more than a year later, she got that dreaded letter from the the New York State Education Department, oh, which administers nursing licenses. A year later, she probably thought she was in the clear. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, it was about 13 or 14 months later, if I, I remember correctly. Mm. And that's just how it happened. And and that's when when it it got onto the radar and they they took action and and they were going to indefinitely suspend her license indefinitely suspend her license involving a DWI again she was not driving to work she was not driving home from work there you know it, it was her night off that sort of a situation mm-hmm. and the marijuana well the marijuana came into the picture because they they had her go through a a program to to prove that that she did not have an alcohol problem. I see. And, and unfortunately, in a random test scenario, uh, at that first program, she she tested positive for marijuana. Unfortunately, which mm-hmm. was a surprise to me and I think everybody else. But at the same time, that got her kicked out of that program. Unfortunately, now now she had hired me after getting that letter from the state. So that was when I got involved. I immediately contacted the prosecutor at the state board, explained the situation. I'm I'm now representing mm-hmm. this nurse. And we got, you know, a couple months of an extension to, to, to start working things out and and to help her get into a program and all that and and have that psych evaluation and all that to get, you know, to show them everything that they would need to give her a much less severe penalty. Right. When she tested positive, that meant that, okay, she's now kicked out of the program. The state board is going to find out. So I, I called them up. I said, I'm getting her into a different program, which I did. Uh, unfortunately, the problem, the drug problem was a lot more severe than I think anybody would have guessed. And she actually got kicked out of that program as well. But once we got her into her third program, luckily, that was the one that was successful for her. And I saw a change in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, as she was going through that that program, so just by by being upfront and by knowing knowing how how to how to work through this system, she was able to to successfully kick the drug problem as, as far as you know, as any of us could could tell, mm-hmm. and and she she successfully made it through a six month uh, drug program. She she got great references from three or four of, of her current and former supervisors, mm-hmm. and she had a great psych evaluation done, stating that that she certainly was fit to practice, and and I, I was able to work it out so that she had a one year stayed suspension, a stayed suspension, no time out of work, because during that that time, remember 
they'll tell a nurse, you have 30 days, you have 45 days, whatever it is in your state, and then we're going to impose this penalty. Mm-hmm. She flunked out of two six-month programs, and it was not the first day. So after she got that letter, luckily, the state extended her her, her deadline to complete it for right. well over a year. It was about a year and a half, actually, by the time she finally completed that program successfully. I see. A and year she, and a half. And she made it through. So yes. that that's a success story. And it, Yes. And, and she was sh- still working throughout that time, too. Right. And I guess one of the hardest things is... You know, what do you tell someone who you want to hire you when you have something on your license? And I always talk about being upfront, talk about it, don't try to hide it, and just demonstrate that you've done the work, your license is clean now, and that you're ready to work. And you have to create a connection with the person who might hire you and have them trust you enough to give you a, give you a chance. So Exactly. It's a tough road to hoe, and um, I really appreciate the work you're doing out there, John. And um, again, people should go to townlaw.com, T-O-W-N-E, law.com. You're on LinkedIn. We will have the link in the show notes. You're on Facebook at Town Ryan Partners PC. That will also be in the show notes. And the Facebook group, how do they find the Facebook group? Sure. It's facebook.com slash Groups, I, th- I think it's groups. It may be singular, so maybe group or mm-hmm. groups, and and then slash nursing law one zero one. Oh, with, wonderful! With numerical one hundred one. Okay, I will look that up and make sure that's correctly in the show notes. So that's Thanks, a really man. great service. I really appreciate that. I may join the group myself just to kind of look at the conversations and maybe chime in here and there. I would love that. That would be fantastic, and I'm yeah. sure my my uh, you know our members could could really use. <laughs> Thank you. Use, use that as well and enjoy that as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and and may I make one quick disclaimer about the group? Please. Uh, I, I just always ask that that people do not post private or confidential information publicly. Oh my on, gosh. On, right. On the page. <laughs> oh, so, right. So right. So so if if someone has a has a a particular issue that they are facing, you can always message me or email me directly. Great. Perfect. And and so that sets up that attorney-client privilege yeah. without it going public. Right. We'll have your email in the show notes as well. And so again, especially nurses in New York, Vermont, Massachusetts, definitely John could be your man. And then also <laughs> at the Connecticut federal district court level. And you're also willing to give a little advice through the Facebook group. And that's very, very kind. So people out in the Nurse Keith Nation can contact you. So John Musacchio, you're amazing. Thank you so much for the work you do representing members of our profession. I can't thank you enough. And thank you for everything you, you do, Keith, to push so much valuable information out to people on a regular basis. Thank you. You're too kind. I didn't pay you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did anyway. Right. <laughs> so there you have it. Thank you for listening to The Nurse Keith Show. And remember, you can find John Musacchio in town law at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 237. That Facebook group could be really useful for some of you out there. So please reach out to John through the Facebook group if you need him. I hope you feel uplifted, empowered, and informed from this episode. And I want you to make sure you take inspired action every day to make sure 
you are moving in the direction you want to move in your personal and professional lives. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his team at thepodcastinggroup.com and Mark Cappiespeason is our amazing social media ringmaster. Please tune in again and again as we continue to explore how to powerfully elevate your life and your career into your very own personal and professional stratosphere. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from gorgeous and beautiful and sunny Santa Fe, New Mexico, and John Musacchio bidding you adieu from? Uh, From Albany, New York, in the capital region of New York State. Capital region of New York. Thank you, John, and to the nurse out there listening who really tunes in and wants to be part of these conversations. We will catch you on the flip side. 